1: Lark cast, you are now tuning into what will be or what will go down as the last of the parables podcast. Q, Q, cool. sad music. Aww. Oh, wow, wow. um, maybe oh, some of you are sad. like, cool, move on from the pod from the parables. You guys have been doing this for a while, some of you might be bummed. Uh, yeah. To hear that, that's not to say that we're never going to be talking about parables ever again. Because there's, we didn't cover every single one.
0: Yep. Now we definitely hit the thrust of all the all the main stories. There are some little tiny, smaller, like, little, right, nuanced parables that we'll hit as we go. But yeah, dude, this is the end of the big journey, man.
1: This is it. It's the end of the road.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Not the end of the podcast.
1: No, certainly not the end of the podcast. In fact, we're pretty excited about what we're going to be doing doing next. Because while this is the last of the parables series, not certainly not the last you'll hear of the parables, but what we're going to be doing is we're actually letting our audience dictate where we're going next. What? You, you, the listener, if you're in your car, if we're in <laughs> your ears right now, yeah. you get to determine where we're going next russ let's give them some some parameters what are we looking for here
0: from our audience everything man talk about bugs um government taxes politics vaccines just kidding um i don't need i don't need any more of that in my (laughs) life just kidding. Um, no, the, the door is open. So if there are things that you have thought about or have wrestled with, as you've been journeying with us through the parables, or if you just started checking things out and you just listened to the first one and you're like, man, I got some questions here. Um, if you're, uh, you know, there's a lot of like popular thoughts and ideas and things that are flying around in regards to like modern Christianity and, you know, mm-hmm. where did it go wrong or where do we need to go next? And all these things sort of in relation to what Jesus has said that we've been unpacking. Fire away! Like the door is really wide open. Um, whatever's on your heart and mind that you're that you're trying to work through in regards to what God is really like, uh, is what we want to press into. So yeah, reach out to us. Let us know.
1: Yeah, and it could be it could be you know thought question related. You know, what does God really like? Maybe a certain passage, a certain theological system. Maybe it might be the Marcel podcast that's floating out there. Questions about church about ministry, you know, whatever the case, personal questions, personal wrestling's really, it's just kind of open, but we want to hear, we want to hear from you. Um, We want to meet you guys where you're at and have an ongoing discussion. This, the LARCast doesn't exist for us to just run our um, mouths and have a platform, you know, to just kind of, to talk and speak. This isn't a couple of like ex-pastors who are just really, you know, missing preaching on Sundays and we no, need a platform no. to get on here and, and, you know, flap our jaws. Yeah. We exist for you. I think we exist for the people who are kind of like you and I, Russ, you know, like we have a, yep. we have a story. Um, and we really um, came to discover that good news was, was a better than we could have ever imagined.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And church and ministry could just be as simple as friendships. And that is quite a bit of a journey that God brought us on to get to that point. And we're connecting with and just trying to be friends and helping people who are on that same journey.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's a, it's a great summary. So, so that's wherever why the you are
1: exists. Yeah.
0: yeah. Wherever you are in the equation, right. Fire away. We'd love to hear from you and love to speak into the things that you're trying to think through, wrestle through. Let me just say this before we dive into the parable. All questions, doubts, fears, and frustrations belong here. Mm-hmm. All of them. Um, if you're worried about like us like naming you on here, please don't fear that. We're not, we're yeah. not naming anybody in regards to the questions. But cool. just know I that you can, can that. share anything you like with us, and we'd love to press in from there. So yep. if you're wrestling with it, ch- chances are there's probably a lot of other people out there who are wrestling with it as well.
1: Yeah. So I'm yeah, just encourage you do it. Reach out. Howdy yeah. at LarkSite.com or uh, just be looking on social media. We're probably going to have an opportunity, um, you know, through a post or through a story to send in a question. So be looking forward to that. We at the time of this recording are on the front end of the Lark Tour and we're about to hit the road tomorrow. It's all going down. Obviously you guys are listening to this on a Tuesday, so we'll have yeah. just wrapped up the Lark tour, but at the time of this recording, we are on the front end of that. And I just want to re- remind everyone we are hitting the road at the end of 2021 and then all of 2022. So if you have a group of people, a number of people, a community that have been coming around the conversation, whether it be through reclaim or the Lark cast, and you want us to visit your city, come to your church, speak at your event just come and mix it up, man, with your crew. Yeah. Reach out to us, hang
0: out in your backyard,
1: hang out in your backyard. Yep. Yep. The St. Louis thing we're doing, that's going to be a little bit more of a bigger thing in a brewery where our friend Danny's has started uh, a church there. The Louisville crew is going to be more of like a backyard food hangs. Uh, It's going to be a little bit more low key. So we're down to do any of it. And I think Rush, you're speaking at a church on Sunday as well in Louisville. So there's yep. just a wide array, right? Everything from uh, like a Western normative traditional thing to just in a backyard or at a brewery, we're down for anything.
0: Yep. Yeah. Reach out and uh, we will come your way. I'm pretty, I'm pretty um, stoked about this.
1: Yeah. Inquiries and booking is again at howdy at larksite.com. Okay. Last of the parables. And just so that our audience can't point a finger at us and call us uh, babies or wusses or we tapped out and didn't handle the toughest ones we are doing the last of the parables in Matthew 25 the Matthew 25 parables are the most difficult ones you have the wise and foolish bridesmaids the parable of the talents which we did last episode and now we have the parable of the separation of the sheep and the goats (laughs) and here we here we go (laughs) it's like here we go i'm just gonna read it and we're gonna we're gonna jump in yeah man all right matthew 25 i got my bible out today if you notice this if you're you're uh, following along on youtube i i have my
0: this is this is the one bro this is like the the last of the the last of that list where like is jesus taking off that velvet glove of grace and putting on the brass knuckles (laughs) Yeah. So if you've ever wondered or feared that, hang on. Here we go.
1: Okay. Um, we're going to try to do it justice, but we're not going to try to belabor it. That's the goal. But we yep. also have started podcasts by saying, hey, let's aim for a half hour. And we went an hour and five minutes. So you just never know yep. what you're going to get out of us too. But here we go. Matthew 25 starting in verse 31. And it looks like we're going down to verse 36. When the Son of Man comes in His glory again, last things, last days, culmination of human history. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, so Jesus is rolling deep here, He's got angels with Him, He's rolling deep, then mm-hmm. He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, so all peoples, all genders, all races. All peoples, all skin colors, all ages, the nations, everybody, everybody mm-hmm. before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a separ- as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right. But the goats on the left, then the king will say to those on his right to the sheep come you who are blessed by my father. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Mm. (laughs) Got some heavy stuff, heavy stuff here. Yeah. I guess the first place I want to go to um, is just to remind them Remind everybody of the crowd that he's speaking to. The people who have really been a thorn in Jesus' side from you know the beginning. They've been putting every word and move of his under a microscope. They've challenged him countless times. Um, they've rebuked him countless times. They've challenged the disciples too. Lots of arguing, lots of accusations. They are the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the the spiritual and religious representatives of an entire nation, of the religion, of the Jewish people, of God himself, Yahweh, right? They think they are literally the guardians and the representatives of who God is, and they are constantly confronting um, Jesus. Like it's just good to just like keep reminding ourselves of like who his audience is here, like who he's really talking to.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And And I think it's, it's just a quick reminder to, to me, you man, everybody listening in on this. It's easy to find yourself seeing that camp as a them, those right. Them, those people over there who are having a hard time, hearing anything Jesus says, because it wars against this, this platform that they've built for themselves. And it's easy to forget that we ourselves can be in that camp on a daily Mm -hmm. basis, man. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's just good to remember that, like, yes, this is who he's talking to. Um, but there's a, there's a, there's a good representation of all of us within that. Mm -hmm.
1: So, um, Obviously, we have a parable of judgment here, and it gets it gets pretty dicey and pretty descriptive and yeah. pretty grisly towards the end. I want to just make a quick comment um, about judgment and Jesus in particular. You know, in verse 31 here, you see it says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. I think what's crazy um, about this is that Jesus is telling these guys who think they are about to do God a favor Mm -hmm. by eventually killing this dude. Yeah. Um, And that in the end this crew who's confronting him right at this judgment <laughs> jesus is telling them you're actually going to be standing before me hmm. so they are putting themselves in the position of god as his representatives on earth to judge this person who's coming in the name of god But Jesus delivers this shocking blow to him. It's like, actually, you think you're in the position of judgment over me. I'm just letting you know, when human history culminates, you're actually going to be standing before me. (laughs) It's it's pretty wild, dude. (laughs) Right? And if there was ever a crew who was familiar with and functioned in the place of judgment, it was these Pharisees. And I love what you said. It's not a them or a they, it really is us. Because if we're honest with who we are, do we let judgment fly, bro? Oh,
0: yeah.
1: If not, if not, if not on social media, if not to our friends, if not to other people's faces, we let it fly in our hearts and in our, our minds. So we're actually like in pretty good company. With these Pharisees, because we are not strangers to making determinations, choices about others and their situations.
0: Yeah, I think you know, Jesus sort of kicks things off that way. Um, he's I mean, you can go back to like Matthew five through seven in this collection of short teachings from Jesus that we've named Sermon on the Mount. It's constantly being held up in a variety of circles that I've been in over the years as a, you know, like kingdom. This is where we find the kingdom ethics. This is where we find the gospel of the kingdom. This is where we find like this kingdom manifesto for bringing about change to, to us and to society. But really what Jesus is doing throughout all of that is creating, which we've talked about on here before, a crisis of capacity. He's actually revealing what's going. Here's what you've heard and you think you're actually okay in it because he's talking to these Pharisees there. But again, he's Mm -hmm. also talking to us. Mm -hmm. Here's what you've heard is good and beautiful and right that you think you've you've grabbed onto and you're walking in. Let me show you what it really means though. Mm -hmm. And so with every single one of those points, right? He eventually gets into what you just said. Maybe you have let judgment fly from your lips to someone, right to their face or through social media Right or on the phone with a friend, um, or, or maybe you haven't, but it's definitely raged within your own heart and mind. That's what Jesus shows us. Like there's a there's a broken nature to who we are. There's a a spirit of self-reliance that's constantly trying to f- control its destiny from every angle. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we are so judgmental of anything and everything. So. I just, I guess what I'm ultimately saying is I can't stress enough that what Jesus is doing here with this crowd is no different than what he's been doing from the beginning and just revealing to us, like what's really going on in the human heart.
1: Yeah. And, you know, really when you get into that word judgment, it's crisis, you know? Yes. And I feel like all these interactions that Jesus is having with these, these guys is a bit of a disruption. It's a hint to this final crisis, this final moment where there is this ultimate discernment, where there's this ultimate like separation. See, he's helping them kind of parse things ahead of time and notice Jesus isn't necessarily the one that's kind of like starting these fights. No, they're, they're often the ones who are kind of coming to him and poking, you know, the bear which I think is very important to point out about Jesus. We talked about this in in the past podcast. We think God starts from a place of like judgment and damnation. And he just can't wait to like, you know, do that or be that, you know, kind of God. Cause that's how Um, we are. (laughs) Yeah. I can't wait to just like really like stick it to him. And It's like, dude, here we are. If you've read the new Testament, just the gospels in particular, Here we are, even just towards the end of this three years, he's been putting up with these guys for three years. And even now he's warning them, showing, giving them hints as to where to look for him in the world, you know, showing, giving them hints as to who he associates with, where he's hiding. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's not at the mountaintop of success. It's actually in the lowly places. And these Pharisees, they can't really, they, they're having a hard time grabbing onto, I think what Jesus is saying here, because in the parable, Jesus is hiding among this, this crew, this hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, and imprisoned crew. He's hiding among the least, the little, the last the yeah. left for dead. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because these Jewish leaders, they've, they had a theology that socially judged these kinds of people that socially crisis, you know, they socially mm-hmm. discerned and, and parsed out and determined their situation, you know, for them based on where they're, where they're at in life. And we even see, it was a common thing, even among the disciples. So you'd say like, oh, the guy born blind in the gospels. Oh, Jesus, who sinned? this guy or his parents? Because clearly he is here yeah. because of something he did or his parents did. That's a judgment. Right. That's a discernment. Luke 15. I can't believe this guy is eating with and receiving these kinds of sinful people. Why are you sharing table fellowship with them based on who they are? Right? Or Luke 7, the prostitute who crashes the party and washes Jesus' feet with ointment and tears. If this man were a prophet, they said, he would have known what kind of woman this is who was touching him, for she is a sinner. Mm -mm. Meaning he didn't know what kind of woman this was, or else he wouldn't be associating or touching or receiving this from her. Mm -hmm. So these guys have this theological understanding, this idea about people um, that, that already determine who they were, how God related to them or how he didn't relate to them and where, and who God actually does associate with and the basis on which he associates with them. And they never identified Jesus or associated. They never identified God and associated God in the lowly places of need because Mm -hmm. they thought, He was at the mountaintop of success. So they Mm -hmm. never looked there. They never even thought to look for him there. So they have a theology of, of glory. They have a theology of performance. They have a theology of works. And while this sniffs, obviously not even sniffs. Like, I feel like it's just a big megaphone warning about judgment. There is judgment here, but hidden in all these little things we're going to get to a bunch of it is a ton of grace is a ton of love and is a ton of invitation for these dudes. Like, yo, here he's letting them know here's where to look for me.
0: Yeah. He's almost saying to them kind of what he's been saying in the last few parables that we've unpacked where, where things get really pointed. He's ultimately saying, um, you don't know me, this God that you keep pointing to and talking about you, you, you actually don't know him. Right, You know a lot about him, and you, and you talk a lot about him, and you do all these things. You, you have literally spent your life operating in good faith to him, but it's been the wrong God all along. Mm-hmm. You've never actually known what he's like. You've never actually wanted to know what he's like. You've never actually identified with him at all. So the crisis, the judgment, once again, is coming down on Right. Are you ready? Unbelief. Right there. Yep. A misunderstanding. Like,
1: Lord, like when, when did we, when did we ever see you no. hungry, thirsty, sick, in prison, all that? Yeah, like, you never even really thought like to look there because you thought that God lived, dwelled and walked among the ranks of those who are crushing it in life. In other words, you had a theology of performance. Yeah. You had a th- theology of works and you thought because these other people weren't right of noble birth, religious resume didn't crush it in life, whether it be them or their parents, they're in that situation. Yeah. Because of something they did or did not do. Yeah. And then you had to gall like the, like the Pharisee in the temple to cry out and say, God, thank you so much. I'm not like that. Thank you so much. I'm not a person who's needy.
0: Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Talk about, (laughs) talk about missing life altogether.
1: Yeah, dude. It's just, it's just crazy. But here we see, um, we see Jesus is really at the focal point of this, of this judgment moment at the end of of human history. And um, this is something I got from uh, C. Baxter Kruger. Uh, which was really, really cool because it brought me back to uh, John's gospel about judgment and the son.
0: Mm. And
1: these is just kind of like some loose notes of something that that came from him. But in John five, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is because one, we're talking about judgment, but then B, we see that phrase, son of man, right there in verse 31 of this parable here in Matthew 25. In John five, um, Jesus has this real provocative commentary on judgment. And he says this for not even the father judges anyone. Mm -hmm. Think about that for not even the father judges anyone. This is Jesus talking about the father for not even the father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment and he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is here. Here's the phrase, because he's the son of man. It's almost like God saying like, look, um, you're in the trenches you left heaven, you became a man, you know, you took on flesh and blood, right? You're yeah. in the weeds, man. You're down there. Um, I trust you completely, whatever you want to do in heaven and on earth. And what do we see from the son in John three sixteen to 18? He's not yeah. come to judge the world. He's come to save the world. And we've seen this constantly from Jesus. His posture is just no condemnation, no judgment. God comes in peace, love, and in grace, right? And we've noticed he almost needs to get pushed to this point of Mm -hmm. judgment. And so he's saying, I trust you completely. Whatever you say, say goes. And the implicit point to the Jewish leadership here, these Pharisees is clear. Be careful, dudes, because I don't think you know who you're dealing with. And just so you know, at the end of the age, me and the angels, it's going to be me you're standing before. But you see the play on words here in John 5. Mm-hmm. He has two Greek words. He says um, one is crino, which is separate, discern, consider or evaluate or decide, like to, to, to determine. Mm -hmm. And the other one is crisis for which we get this word, right? Judgment here, like the English word crisis. And Jesus is saying the father cry knows no one. He doesn't discern parse, right? Like separate none of that, but he's given all crisis into the hands of the son. And so Jesus has authority to execute this crisis because he's personally present. And we see him doing it right here. Right There's nowhere to hide. As you've said in the, in, in the past, exposure is at hand. And I love that Jesus is showing his cards to these dudes. He's yeah. not like, oh, I got something for them in the end. They have no idea what's coming. It's like almost even in this warning of one day you're going to stand in front of me. He gives them hints as to where to look for him. And what's coming in the hopes that they might change their mind about who he is. And he's having this crisis moment with them, a hint, a whiff of what's going to come in the hopes that they might change their mind and repent, I think.
0: I would say that you're right. I mean, um, you're not going to get away from the fact that when you look at this story here, eventually the way that Jesus tells, there's this king, right? There's this party coming at the end. It's this final toast, right, to all that he has done and declared. And there is a separation, sheep, right, from the goats. And that's what he's, right, he's unpacking here. And eventually he's getting to what makes the sheep the sheep, what makes the goats the goats, and why one is at the party and the other one is not. And he's, I think you're right. I think he's trying to help them realize how much they've really missed what God is like. They've missed the fact that he loves to throw parties. They've missed, right? You know, you know, the one who's through the banquet, right? For his son, for his son's wedding. They who invited uh, all good and bad in the alleyways and hospitals and yeah. tattoo shops and bars. Yeah, they they've they've missed all this, man. They've 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 missed uh the, the happiness of the bridegroom, right? The joy at the party. They've missed uh life itself. Yeah, they've missed this this nobleman who loves to throw play money out in the cosmos and invites us to invest. Like there's nothing to lose because there's nothing to lose. Um, and I feel like this is that final moment where he's just trying to like shake him in a sense. Cause when you look at the story, you know, he refers to himself as the good shepherd, right? He's, he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep and the goats. I think we forget that. He's the good shepherd that you've already brought up in John three sixteen, who came to save the world so that none would perish. He wills none to perish. He came not to condemn the world, but so, he came so that the world could be, literally come alive. It could awaken to their very reality that they've always had in him. Mm-hmm. And that's the one who does the separation here. And, you know, as people who didn't grow up in a, in a Jewish context in biblical times, we don't realize like, Not only in the story does the separation of sheep and goats happen within Jesus's shepherding of both, okay? Because he's shepherding both. He's got one crowd on one hand that's grabbing on, but then he's got these Pharisees on the other hand that refuse. But again, he's the good shepherd who's shepherding both at the same time. Mm -hmm. He wills that none would be perish. He will draw all to himself when he's lifted up, right? I just think it's just all the story itself is pointing to everything that you were just unpacking. in John, I mean, even in like, it was normal in biblical times that I I read for a shepherd to keep both sheep and goats, dude. Did you know that? It was normal. I was just about to
1: ask you where we see the inclusion before exclusion.
0: Yeah. It, yeah. It's like, it was normal for them to keep both in biblical times. In fact, in Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, it specifies that even a goat can serve as the Paschal Lamb. A goat can. So this isn't a one is good and the other's bad. One got it together and the other refused to get it together. That's not Mm -hmm. at all what's going on in any of the parables that we've looked at. None of it has been about a God who's interested in counting. Maybe if he was interested in counting, why would you make in the last parable we unpacked with the talents? Why would you why would you reward the richest one? Why would you enrich the already rich one who had? Yeah, 10 why talents? wouldn't you make?
1: Yeah, why wouldn't you make the four of you know the second guy yeah. count on a count on a trustworthy Tristan? Why wouldn't
0: you make his four or five?
1: Right, you would have gave like him to help
0: better? help him catch up. Right, that's how we think, but he doesn't. Because, again, it, the point that Jesus is making in the story is that God quit counting. He quit counting. And so it's not a, a good and a bad. It's not like the sheep and the goats, the way we so like moralistically, you know, put on those lenses when we read this story and we forget everything Jesus has been saying when we get to this parable. That's not, that's not this. I think you're dead on, dude. He cares for these, for these self-righteous people, man, who are missing the party that is right under their nose yeah and he shepherds yeah. the sheep and the goats together because that's what a good shepherd does and he calls them all and he draws them all to himself because he he, he does will that all be saved he wills mm-hmm. that none shall perish You said he came not to condemn as you've read in john and that's what we see here man and uh well he says he, he says
1: to the sheep he says come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you From the foundation of the world another clue as to why we know this isn't about works is you don't gain inheritance by performance right you gain inheritance because you have a dad who loves you and gives it to you freely because you're his kid yeah come blessed by my father blessed made joyful encouraged loved right this this crew has tapped into life itself they've said yes to him they're not Mm -hmm. hard-heartedly resisting and continually saying no i mean we have to remind ourselves this is the crew that i think in their heart of hearts knew he was from god knew jesus was from god knew he was good but there was this like cultural understanding that started to grow among this tribe that we have to get rid of this dude and if you like walked away from that or challenged that in any way you were dismissed right like nicodemus he was pushed out and this is the same crew that where jesus has that moment of blasphemy against the holy spirit Mm. you know that like one unforgivable sin in the new testament yeah, where it's like blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, and everyone's like, "Man, like, what, what is that? You know, am I yeah. have I done that? You know?" And no. it's like, "There's and everyone's one. like, oh my gosh, dude, yeah. crap." And what what's going on there is a very specific instance where this this person that's among this crew that really is Jesus who's talking to you right here, who is just a hard hearted no, regardless of everything that they see, even though they know. And in his heart, he knew after watching Jesus heal somebody that he was from God, but yeah. in keeping step with his tribe and not wanting to fall you know, out of line and wanting to be welcomed and accepted there, he pointed a finger at Jesus and goes, you did that in the name of Satan. And it's such a hard hearted, like predetermined, no, no matter what you hear or, or see from him. That at, that's the kind of unbelief that Jesus says, that continual, persistent resistance to every w- way in which I'm just showing you myself, revealing myself, is the yeah. only thing that can't be forgiven because you're insisting on remaining outside of the reconciliation of all things and the party and the table
0: that he has set for the world. Yeah. Jesus told us in the scriptures, you know, in a sense, kind of gave us a little bit of a a breakdown of the job description of the of the Holy Spirit. Right? He he convicts us of sin mm-hmm. and he testifies to the truth. And the truth has a name. Mm-hmm. We see that in the scriptures. Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. He's not a way, he's not a truth, he's not a life. He literally is the truth. He is life. Right. So the spirit is going to constantly be pointing us to this reality. Yeah. Right. This reality. If you go to your grave, calling the spirit, a liar, if you go to your grave, calling him a liar, this is not true. Jesus is not Lord. That is to blaspheme the Holy spirit. That is the one act. Okay. The refusal of your acceptance your unbelief is the one and only thing that will forever keep you separated from the God who's already done everything to make you alive, to make mm-hmm. you whole, to make you one yeah. with him. But if you don't want anything to do with him, if you refuse to accept him, if you refuse to identify with him, he will grant you what you wished in the end. hmm. And that's where the whole idea of hell and you know all the different concepts that people have from it, and kind of this picture that we're starting to see in this parable comes from. But I just think it's important to realize like that's the nature of what's going on here. Um, I think we, for, we forget that evil has been aced out by Jesus on the cross. He knows, he told us time and time and time again, "I've come to die. My mission is to die. It is not to to my mission is not to reform you or to improve you. It's literally to die for you so that in my resurrection, you will live so that you can live. Mm-hmm. Um, so he deals with evil man on the cross. It's not a problem for the kingdom. And I think we have to remember that when we look at the separation here, you know, the sheep and the goats, man, is that it happens within the flock. It happens within the kingdom. Uh, you know, it goes back to like the weed and the wheats, right? They grow together. They exist together. And they're growing together. The evil and the good is not going to detour what God is like and what he's doing in the world. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's, he's like graciously allowing it to grow together in hopes that I think what we're seeing in this story so that those who are still refusing him might wake up and go, man, what am I doing? Yeah. And realize this. And so this separation, man, it's not the... It's, it's, it's not like the, you know, the king is going to deal with evil at this climactic event at the end of the world, and then he's going to separate you know, the sheep and the goats, man. Um, and I think just seeing that, seeing that understanding, like the separation, what's going on, the, the refusal of this camp, it all sort of moves into understanding who, okay, who becomes sheep and who become the goats in the end. Because if you don't see what we've been talking about so far, you will get to the separation here and why they were separated and be like, see, there it is. Get it together in the name of Jesus, man. And you'll be in Mm -hmm. that is not at all what he's saying here. Yeah. In my opinion, I think
1: where it says, come you who are blessed by my father made joyful by my father loved by my father, um, you know, God is often painted as someone who is faithful, right? He, in the last parable, um, it says, you know, the person who thinks they have, it's going to be taken away. And the person who actually has more will be added. The crew who thinks they have, and it's going to be taken away is this crew he's talking about. They think they're in, but you come to find out At the end of the age, you're standing before the person literally who murder, whose murder you plotted. And it's like, crap, crap. we got that one wrong. Right. Um, And the person who has more will be added. And I think what he's saying is they're blessed by the father. Look at all this stuff that they eventually end up doing in life, which really is just like very simple, tangible ways that they're loving their neighbor. Yeah. Simple, tangible ways that they're loving the people around them. Notice how he doesn't say like, you know, they got rid of world hunger. They got rid of, you know, global need for jackets in the winter in Chicago. Yeah. You know, they got rid of, you know, global, you know, thirst and the need for clean water. I think these are very just simple, tangible ways that they're caring for, you know, the people, um, Around them. Because if you start to determine the separation of the sheep and the goats based on philanthropic works, I mean, dude, you're you're opening up a can, bro. <laughs> you know, that is like yeah, that is that is pretty, pretty insane. But it says, Come you who are blessed by my father, in saying yes to God's son, you're saying yes to life itself. It's called faith. And when we say yes, he keeps enabling that yes in our lives. Even mm. when we grow weary of saying yes, even when saying yes is hard, man, hard, even when saying yes is hard in the violence of our own mind, the doubts we have, right? The, 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 the condemnation that creeps up in our own heads and our own hearts, the, the same when saying yes is hard in community with other people. Even when we grow weary of saying yes, he makes that yes, joyful, even when it feels bitter, even when we feel like saying no, even at points in our times when we want to just walk away. That's what it means when it says, come you who are blessed by my father. Notice who notice who's doing the verbs here. Come you who are what objects of my father's blessing. Yeah, You know, when you pair that with last week's parable of he who has more will be added, I think mm-hmm. what he, I think what he's saying is ultimately how Paul summed up the Christian life. Um, he is faithful, yet we are faithless. We are po- we are prone to faithlessness, but faithful right. is he in our lives to keep adding to that. Yes, to keep us saying yes, to yeah. keep pushing us out into the world, to love neighbor, to love brother, to love sister, right?
0: <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's, it's good, man. And and I think the, the, the heart of the whole parable is what you're saying in regards to the yes. It's, it's the identifying ourselves. It's our desire to identify with him, to know him, to be known by him, to say yes to him all of this is an act of faith that continues throughout our lives until we breathe our last on this side of the veil. Mm-hmm. This is the Christian life. This is to know, to follow Jesus. This is to be alive and to be awakened to and to be walking as one with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the big like, aha of that, like for me, like the, the turning point in this parable, the just like, If I'm just being honest, man, the straight up like, oh, shit moment for me in this parable was seeing that because I had taught this parable for years under the guise of, you know, faith has to produce this, you know, certain amount of works in you and the people who go and they they love, you know, they fix world hunger, the people who get involved in solving all the issues in the prisons, the people who feed all the hungry, right? Like these are the people who are Christians
1: or give money to the organizations that do and do five
0: K's every year, you know, like,
1: you know, all that,
0: this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to follow Jesus. And if you're not doing these things, well, then you're not a Christian. You don't have faith. You're not a believer. You're the, you're going to be, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're going to get lumped in with the goats in the end, man. And we take this parable and forget everything Jesus has been saying and all of a sudden this thing really quickly becomes about works instead of about people who said yes um you know you look at the stories right like the prodigal that we've unpacked it's it's by faith man that he that he's at this party in the end you you look at the tax collector in the temple it's it's, it's by faith. It's by saying yes to who, to who God really is, that he goes yeah. home justified. When you look at the yeah. laborers who showed up five minutes before quitting time and got paid the same as you know, everybody else, it's because they said yes to a vineyard owner and took him at his word. Yeah. I mean, just the, you know, the list goes on. You know, if
1: you need any more evidence, just in this small little passage here in uh, verse 34, it says, Come you who are blessed by my father inherit. So we already talked about that. It's not something earned. It's it's inherited. That's a familial familial term, right? Right. The kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Yeah. Meaning that you entering this thing, this was something planned from long ago, way before you were ever even alive. And around, yep. whether you had done anything good or bad, right? No matter what your record was at the end, this place was prepared for you. Yep. Notice at the end, when he says to the people who continually hardheartedly say no, that they're caught tossed into torment and this fire, who was that prepared for? Demons and Satan. Yeah. Meaning this, in the, it, it way, way back in the day, God had an eye on this day, and he had an eye on humanity, and he prepared before the foundations of the world a kingdom in which everyone he made mm-hmm. would dwell with him. And the net that we looked at, right,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the parables, the net drops to the bottom of the ocean and spans to the edges and gathers everything in its path and heads right there. He wants to grab everybody, good yeah. and bad, and bring. Yeah. And in the process of dragging them to the shore, he works so in their lives by the spirit, we already touched on that, that they might say yes to him. And he says to them, you need to go to the place that was prepared, not for people, but for Satan and his minions. That wasn't meant for you, but you don't yeah. want to come to the party. So there's only one other place to go, man, and it's over there.
0: Yeah, yeah dude. This party's this party got started back in Genesis. <laughs> yes, and it's been going on ever since. I think what he's doing in this story is telling us that there's going to be a time where he's going to give a toast, um, to the party that will never end. That's that's what's coming. And I agree, man. It wasn't made for us. But the big aha, dude, is when he starts to, to, you know, point to all these things, right, that the sheep have done. You clothed me, right? You know, when I was naked, you fed me when I was hungry. Um, How do they respond to that, dude? Because this is the, oh, what? Wait, what? Oh, so this parable isn't a contradiction to everything Jesus has been saying. This This is just a culmination
1: of it. No, they replied. They were like, thank you for finally noticing. I will accept my rightfully earned reward of the kingdom. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for acknowledging my lifelong work among the hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, and imprisoned. Glad you noticed, heard you were omniscient, heard that you saw everything in all places. I was working (laughs) hard as unto the Lord. I was doing all these things so that I might get this reward. This thing I, might, I earned in the end. I might hear that. Good job. You faithful. Good servant job. You. Yep. I got
0: my pat
1: on the head. I got my Awana Timothy award here. I think that this is not how they responded in the parable. They're like, thanks for finally noticing. Glad you recognized it. Oh, oh, uh, Lord. What? Yeah. I think in the Greek, it's
0: like, huh, what, what? Yeah. What the hell (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of, that's that's what they say is their response is not that they, they were, they were in a sense, they were kind of
1: clueless about it. They didn't necessarily connect this, the ways that they were loving the people around them to this, this moment, this
0: thing, bingo bingo. This isn't something that they knew to do with knowledge. I mean, we can go back to Genesis, right? What do we see there? Adam and Eve. Uh, We're missing out. God cannot be trusted. But with more and better knowledge, we can overcome our humanity so that we don't have to miss out any longer. And there begins an obsession with knowledge and control. Mm -hmm. And it's at work in the, in the veins of every person who's ever lived, yeah. okay? And I think in this case, man, like what we're seeing here is this is nothing to do with knowledge of these things and then going and doing them. They didn't even know they had done any of this unto him, none of it. This is the total opposite. Their response, in my opinion, paints a picture that's the total opposite of what we push everybody to go and do in the name of this parable. What these people had done was identified themselves with him. They wanted to know him and him in and through all people who all matter unto him who made them. Mm -hmm. That's by faith what they've done. Right. Right. They didn't In, even they didn't even they didn't have a scorecard to present because they didn't even know to even have a scorecard or that they even did anything that was on the scorecard.
1: Right. In fact, I'll play on that and say the the um, those who didn't do anything with the hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick and imprisoned because they did have a theology of performance. It forces you to so focus on what you're doing that you don't mm-hmm. have time for people that can't help you or benefit you. You so Dude. need to work on your resume. You so need to curate yourself. You know what I'm saying? You're so dialed in on you. And this is such that this is, this is the reason why a, a theology of performance is so damning is because it forces you into radical introspection. Yeah. Yep. Performance. Always constantly looking at, am I doing enough? And am I doing it in the right way? Did I have the right heart in doing it? Cause then that adds another layer of complication. Remember like, shoot, dude, am I doing enough good works? Oh crap. Jesus talked about the heart and the motives. Oh shoot. Did I do that with the right motive? You know, you're constantly like, you know, Monday morning quarterback and all your like good deeds in the past. Like, shoot, dude, did I do enough? And did I do it with the right heart motive? So it mm. forces you to constantly focus on yourself. And when you're constantly dialed in on you, you cannot love because love is self-forgetfulness, man.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Love, love looks in the rear view mirror and it's like, oh crap, man, that, that was, that was pretty cool. What happened there? That was, I, and I kind of, I kind of sacrificed time, money, energy, but it really wasn't like effort. Yeah. It really just kind of was effortless because I just loved that person. And that was really cool. How the, how God blessed me unto that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is like a, it's almost like Jesus is is helping us see that uh, if you planned it or posted about it, it probably wasn't <laughs> me. If you planned it or post about it, it, it probably wasn't my presence at work in and through you by the work of my spirit. Because um, when you just identify yourself as someone who's been lost in the life of Christ, when your life gets lost in his life, yeah. which is literally what it means to live. Um, what a beautiful journey it is, but it won't be, it won't be you navel gazing. It won't be centered yeah. around you. It won't be all of your plans and all your posting. It'll actually be the opposite. Um,
1: I'm about to I'm about to pick a fight. I'm about to pick a fight. Remember when uh, that email went out to us from Exponential, and we started email we we emailed each other back and forth that Grace bombs thing. Yeah, dude. And it was this dude who wrote this book called Grace Bombs, and the whole thing was like it was this evangelistic effort to go like surprise people with grace, and really what it was was like do something like tip your server an extra 150 bucks like bomb them with grace but he was but he was telling people which dude i love that we've done that on the road Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um just little moments like that enjoying a relationship with a bartender or you know whatever a lot of people have done you know that but this dude was telling people no post a picture of it hashtag it grace bomb And then you'll have this, once you do that, you'll then have this cool opportunity to talk about Jesus.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. I remember that thing coming through and thinking to myself, (laughs) um, okay, you taking in your neighbor's garbage can is nice, uh, but it's not grace. Grace is the cross of Christ. That's, that's grace. Number two, you being nice to your server, or bringing your coworker lunch every Thursday is great. <laughs> but it's not going to all of a sudden raise the dead, just to be clear. <laughs> um, I haven't met anybody who yet could just humanity's obsessed with itself, so I don't see people going, "You know what? Um, now that you brought me lunch?" I'm totally willing to die. I'm totally willing to just give up and, and say that, Jesus is Lord. like it doesn't it doesn't work that way, but um,
1: do people accuse us of cheap grace, dude? that's that is cheapening grace.
0: Yeah, the grace we're talking that about that is cheapening grace is so rich no one, no one, no can one. afford it can afford it. or or embody it to its, right.
1: to it in its fullest sense.
0: Yeah. and at the same time, We're saying it's already freely yours. It's mind blowing, but it's life giving. Jesus is just that good, man. So, but I'm with you, dude, like, you know, plan it and post it. And then we're calling it. Yeah, man, this is following Jesus, Matthew 25. And I'm going, no, dude, the people who identified with God, the people who wanted to really know him, the people who said yes to him, That walked in these beautiful things didn't even know they were doing it, much less doing it unto him. Mm -hmm. This isn't a passage about how to get it together so you make it to the party. This is a passage about grabbing on to a life of faith in him who started the party. Because if you refuse your acceptance, not Mm -hmm. only will you never get to enjoy what really is life, which is all the things that he does in and through you that you get to participate in, you're going to miss the party in life altogether.
1: Right. And much to the surprise of the goats, God is not the um, celestial awarder at the top of the mountain with a bunch of medals in hand ready to give them out to those who successfully climb to the top. Yeah, no. He's actually a lowly servant down, mixing it up with those who are in real need because mm-hmm. saviors. Um, grace only works in need and only works in death. It only works in leastness, lostness, lostness, those yeah. who are left for dead because they recognize they're needy. They recognize they need rescue, not reform. Those who are dialed in on reform are dialed in on themselves, can never really think about any, anybody other than themselves, can only really mess with other people who are going to help them become the best version of themselves and are focused on the God at the top of the mountain as they progress and as they ascend and as they get better and better throughout life. And so they're like, well, when did we, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, you know, estranged, naked, sick, and imprisoned? Well, we never even really thought to look for you there because we were just so dialed in on getting to the top of this mountain.
0: Yeah, we were never really interested in you. We were never interested in you or your creation. We just wanted, we just literally wanted to use you and your creation to get to the top of our mountain. There it is, dude
1: it's yeah. so selfish through and through. Yeah. It's so selfish through and through. And it's... scores of of church leaders thinking they're helping people, right? Yeah. Be these kind of people that they can present to God at the end of the age and say, "Look, look what our church did. We make them nice and shiny holy people." And and preached the parable of the talents from last week in that way so that they can give more and serve more and preach yep. this one
0: right in certain ways yeah
1: they're not helping
0: no they're using i think that's what we're missing here man like in the in this world of do good be better um you know everyone you know fighting desperately to get to this imaginary winner circle and have some platform to stand on and you'll have people who will Take the talent approach, like you said, we talked about last week, or they'll take this one and they'll point to all the things that they're doing in, among the prison, the poor, the naked, the hungry. But I'm looking at it and I'm going, dude, it seems like you're just using people who are in need to achieve a certain status for your own self-assurance yeah. that you matter, that you're okay, that you're good. That's not love, right? And I think that's what happens when we miss this. That's why I just, if I can make anything known in this parable, when Jesus says to them, you did this, you identified with me in this, their response was, when did we ever do that? When they didn't know, this is not a parable about the importance of knowing and doing all the things It's a parable about a desire to know him, to identify with him, to say yes by faith to him. In a sense, to get lost. Literally, to get lost in him. To get lost. For we have been crucified with Christ, right? As Galatians says, it is no longer we, I, who live.
1: Yeah. If, If it's of our performance, you have to make a plan in advance. And you have to have a pretty strategic way in which you're going to get there. Yeah. And you got to really focus on every move counts. Dude, when you know you're held by a love that won't let you go, bro, you literally get to just like base jump. <laughs> dude, Just like, let
0: go. Bro. Right. Not a Parachute.
1: And just follow him. But I think we've, I, I think it. we've done justice to this. Yeah. The last thing I think we need to quickly touch on because we've had some, some comments, some discussion about this internally, but also some comments on our social media. And I think our, our crew at large is, is, is kind of rethinking this in addition to a number of different things, a number of other different theological topics and church related things and, you know, all that. And it's this idea of hell.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have the camps that are, you know, hell is eternal torment, nonstop torment forever and ever and ever and ever. You're just going to be in this nonstop anguish torment because you refused um, God's acceptance. You're going to have the camp that says, no, man, like it seems to be a little bit more like you're, you're, you're going to, there's going to be gnashing of teeth and weeping because it's, There is a moment where you will be separated By your own choosing, by the way, okay, your own doing, your refusal to accept, your acceptance, in which case you will have missed the party. You will have you will have called the spirit a liar, right to your grave. And it's like hell's just sort of like a just a removal of you. It's the end of you, right? Done, over. And then there's camp. Right? That's like there is no hell. You know what I mean? There's there is no hell. Um so you have different people, man, who are coming at this thing from different angles today. I'm not gonna I could definitely see the nuances and the scriptures and the teachings that can result, right? in some different ideas about this, just to be clear. It's hard to be clear, I guess is what I'm saying. On all about the
1: it. about the nature and duration of it.
0: Yes, the nature and duration. But there's enough information I, that makes it murky, is what you're saying. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. The nature and duration of it, yeah, is to be clear on that is, is a little difficult um, because again, you're you have to go beyond just the English translations that we have, and when you dive into what it's actually written in, that's where mm-hmm. you start to go. Man, I don't know about the nature and duration of hell, mm-hmm. but is there a hell? Is there a separation? Is there a moment when the net reaches the shore and the contents are separated? Dude, these are Jesus's words, man, not ours. There is. And he says there is. Yeah. But the one thing for Lark is, which I think totally aligns with what Jesus is getting at here, is hell is just so damn unnecessary. It is. But there are people in this world, dude, who just will not receive a free gift when it comes their way. Mm Mm-hmm. They just can't handle the indiscriminate grace that says you cannot achieve this, but I'm going to do it in and through you because I want you at the party. Yeah, they just can't get there, man. And they won't. And which Jesus does say numerous times in these parables that we've been looking at, if you if that's your position all the way up until you breathe your last, I will grant you what you wanted. You wanted separation from me. You will have it.
1: Well, I do think this. that
0: I do think we see that in the scriptures.
1: Yeah. It's like, you know, my neighbor came over yesterday. We've been having some really, really killer conversations about everything. Um, there's just some stuff going on in his life that's just, you know, that's just is bringing him to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been, you know, a real joy to um, just be a friend to him. And I, I've, I've been loving our conversations. And this conversation came up last night. He was like, all right, dude, like, so hell, what's mm-hmm. up? You know, and I'm like, Hey dude, it's funny that you asked me that because we're about to podcast on this tomorrow. Like this is last night, you know, and I was like, man, we've been having some internal conversations, you know, about this. And man, the Christian community is just so diverse on this topic. Yeah. I go, dude, I, 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 there's enough in the scriptures to say, man, I really can't be super clear about the nature and the duration and the veracity of it. But dude, I would be really just negligent as a student of the Bible. And just like, just honestly coming to the scriptures to say it's, it's not a thing and it doesn't exist, but I do know enough about it to be like, you're probably going to want to be at the party, dude, and not in that place. So please, I beg you, bro, (laughs) you know, just
0: say yes to him. Yeah. Yeah. Accept your acceptance like i mean when you think about it, like if you, if you just deny life your whole life right you deny the very essence of life in the end you never wanted life to begin with and so the one who is life the maker and sustainer of it says okay wish granted it's really sad see, though really yeah
1: sad. no it is and we don't. I, I don't want to talk about it lightly because i think jesus is graciously warning this crew This crew that's here is not going to, at the end of the day, ever point a finger at God and say, you weren't loving or just or good to me. They're never going to be able to have that accusation. And that's why I think it's important to bring up what you're bringing up prior about the role of the spirit. Jesus always talked about the role of the father, like, Hey man, the father's working and I myself am working until now I'm about to leave. So the spirit can come. He's the helper. He's going to do all these things. I really believe like God's at work, like in a continual way and in a, and the quiet moments of everyone's lives, he's revealing himself to people. Yeah. He's drawing, you know what I'm saying? Them to himself. He's revealing himself. No one's ever going to be able to point a finger at God at the end and say, this isn't fair. Mm -mm. You're not good or you're not loving. I don't think that that's going to be the case. I don't want to, I don't want to make, Um, light of it at at all Um, because I do you know I think these warnings and I think this language and I think these images are here and I think in 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 its own way is nudging us ever further and further
0: to just
1: walk on over to the wine table at the party just grab a freaking glass man yeah. Just shut your mouth, say thank you, and just start drinking and having a good time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, dude, to walk into that party, sit down, put your fingers in your ears, <laughs> refuse to listen to the music, right? Don't allow your feet to start dancing. Oh, and by the way, just doing every freaking thing in your being, dude, to stop trying, you know, to be able to stop to keep yourself from smelling these like delicious cooked ribeyes that are sitting mm-hmm. right underneath your nose, man. Yeah, and it's like, dude, it, it, enjoy. Yeah, awaken to this. This is this is this is it. This is everything, man, and it's right here <laughs> for you, dude. But you want to talk about loving? Like, I feel like sometimes I think we have to remind ourselves. Like, is it loving to force someone to be there? Right. Like, if you didn't want anything to do with him, you never did, and you still don't. So now all of a sudden, he's, right? He's unloving for granting you what you wanted. You wanted separation from God. Now you have it. Yeah. Yep. So I think from just seeing it from that angle, it just, it really helps us, like, see all these parables and going, oh. So that's why he seems to be telling these stories this way. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He wants to assure that we hear what he's saying instead of what we want him to be saying. And dude, that difference makes all the difference.
1: I used to go to this music festival called Cornerstone. It was like this big Christian music festival. And it was everything from like, you know, punk to hardcore to metal and, you know, everything in between. And it was like seven days and you're just like smelling dirty. You almost would just rather just burn everything you got there with instead of taking it home and trying to wash it. Um, but I remember one night, one year I was there, there was this mobile dance party going throughout all the, like all the roads, all the little tents and they were playing techno music and it was attached to a golf cart. And the party kept getting bigger and bigger as people were joining it. Right. And the music was really loud. It was at night. And this, the crowd kept getting like bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. And every once in a while, we would just run across like somebody who was just like too cool. Like, cause you know, yeah. like, you know, the oh, indie yeah. music crowd, they're like, I'm not dancing to that cause techno's dumb. I'm into Swedish black metal, you know, and nothing else <laughs> or whatever. And um, Ooh, so, whatever man. you, whenever we would run across someone that just refused, a whole mob of people would get around them and just start chanting, you will dance, you will dance, you will dance, you will dance. And you could just tell, dude, like slowly, like their like, like sulky, like frown, just started yeah. like they couldn't help but turn it into a smile. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then they're like, all right, dude, whatever. Here we go. And they, they would just start dancing. dancing. And everyone starts, you're like, yeah. I feel like, dude, that's how the church needs to be, man in light of all this
0: yeah i would agree
1: not walking around with a megaphone right in talk of torment and hell but rather a ghetto blaster that is an echo of the future party yeah and just demanding pleading yep forcing even people to start dancing
0: yeah it's got like a it's got a big it's got a big bourbon cart and a, and a grill <laughs> attached to the back of this golf cart, <laughs> right? It's so just, good, man. We got like some welders are on hand, you know. <laughs> they just they just keep adding on to the grill as needed. We got some bartenders that are being trained as we're going, so the drinks <laughs> can keep slinging. <laughs> I that that is what it should be, man. It's um. Yeah hopefully this podcast can play a role in helping people find the freedom to just be that. Yep. So
1: well, cheers, man. Hey yeah. dude, congratulations on making it through the, the parables.
0: Yes, we did it. We've been talking about this it. for a while. Congrats to you and uh, stay tuned for those who are listening. We'll be back next week. And yep. uh, we got a, we got a whole new thing in, in store. So until then, Cheers. Cheers.